What is good? Welcome to Spiritville Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life, and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast. We are on episode number 200. That is 200 episodes of training, encouragement, teaching, upliftment, a whole lot of value. So if you have been along for the ride, thank you so, so much for your support. Sending you all the love. And if you are brand new, you're going to want to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and do that now. If you do this, also, if you are a subscriber and you haven't done this, this counts for you as well. Visit julianapage.com slash podcast. And on that page, you will see a form to fill out that lets me know that you did subscribe, you left a comment, you rated the podcast, and I'm going to send you the God's Vibes Matter devotional for free. So go ahead and do that now, my gift to you, and let's dive into this episode. So we're going to talk today about emotional adulthood. That sounds fun, right? Sarcasm inserted, of course, whenever something is not so fun, we like to resist it. But when you make it fun, it's easier to endure and grow through. So emotional adulthood is something that may be a new term for you. We often hear a ton, especially now, a ton about mental health. And if you are a believer, you hear a lot about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Very important. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about emotional health and emotional adulthood. So I'm going to give you some practical breakdown of this today and some context so that you can, what I like to say, (laughs) check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm not the originator of that, but you're welcome. So emotional adulthood. Emotional adulthood is actually being responsible for your emotions, right? Just like somebody else cannot think for you, somebody else also cannot feel for you. They cannot insert themselves into your body and feel what you feel, okay? They can have empathy where they can resonate or relate with what you are experiencing, but ultimately nobody can feel what is happening inside of you. And your feelings, just like your thoughts, are yours, okay? They aren't you, but they are yours, meaning you are responsible to lead them, to manage them, okay? To get them to submit to the spirit, all right? Our soul is made up of our mind, our thought life, our imagination, whatever is going on in between our ears. Our emotions 
all the feelings and all of the fuel or the energy that we're putting in motion that is either for us and helping us progress and move forward in our lives, in our businesses, in our relationships, or it's holding us back because it's not giving us any fuel at all. It's actually taking from us. It's draining from us, right? It's like if you just picture a pool, let's say, uh, one of those summer pools, right? We're getting to that season. So picture a big pool all filled up and there's a plug. It's like you keep pouring water in, but the plug is not in the pool. It's just not going to work. There's no, <laughs> there's no way for that to work, right? So it's sort of like that if our emotions are a container that can actually give us energy and fuel us, if we keep letting it all leak out, we have no energy. And it's also, our soul is also made up of our will or our self-control, our discipline, our ability to actually use our authority to progress and move forward and contribute and be fruitful as we're designed to or, or not. None of those things, right? But we have willpower and we also have free will, the, the ability to make decisions. Our decisions at the end of the day, somebody is not making those for you. You are making your decisions. You can't say you made me do that. You made the decision and the consequences of that decision, good or bad, are on you, okay? This, this will give you great appreciation that we have a merciful God also, all right? <laughs> it will also enlighten you as to why you can't possibly do life without God, right? In and of yourself, it's just not going to work out. Right? You probably have seen that movie before. You without God, how does that go? Right? <laughs> Sometimes we need to keep re-watching a bad movie before we figure it out, but you don't have to. Okay, so emotional adulthood is taking full responsibility for your emotions. It means you are not going to blame and you are not going to complain. No blaming, no complaining, because ultimately those two things lead to frustration and frustration is just wasted energy. It doesn't move you anywhere, anywhere, right? So we think in all of the blaming and all the complaining that we're using our creative capacity for good, but how is that possible, right? The more you blame, the more you complain, you're not getting wisdom, you're not leaning uh, into God here. You're not getting discernment. You're not growing in understanding and knowledge of the word, right? You're just venting out. And at the end of the day, that isn't going to be what moves you forward. So emotional adulthood is recognizing that, whoop, I'm about to blame this person or I'm about to complain about this thing, neither of which are fruitful. So this is a call and an opportunity to manage my emotion. Now, I will say often emotion is connected to your thought life, okay? So there often is a direct connect to what you've been thinking about leads to your feelings. So this is your own model of the world, okay? So with clients, I help them see what is going on on their inside. So when you have this thought, that starts creating some sort of feeling in you. And then from that, you start either acting out <laughs> or acting in some sort of productive way, okay? So often a thought drives the emotion. So a thought that you keep thinking about turns into a belief, but it could still be a lie, 
okay? You can believe lies. That's actually very common, all right? And when you believe a lie, you start to have evidence of that in your emotions and in your feelings, right? And then you start to create a story around how you are feeling and then you start behaving out of that story, okay? And we are very adept at making a great case for ourselves, okay? And defending ourselves. We are the victim, right? And everybody else is the problem. Or, you know, the reason why our business isn't successful is because of all these things. Not not because, you know, we, we can make an adjustment or we did actually fail at something and we have an opportunity to get some alignments and go back out there and try again, right? And take responsibility, right? Or we, we could blame somebody in relationship, right? For something that we're feeling that is very real rather than taking ownership of that feeling and having a conversation about that that leads to a progressive fruitful outcome. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a couple examples, but I just had this thought come. So frustration, right? When you think about that, frustration, all it's doing is it's taking your responsibility off the table, Right, you decide in being frustrated that you're no longer responsible. So rather than taking ownership and using your authority, frustration keeps you stuck and you actually makes you way less productive and it makes the results so much slower. Okay, so another way to say that too is complain and remain. So if you don't want to be in that zone that you find yourself sometimes, stop complaining and stop blaming. Rise up and take ownership. You do have authority and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Okay, so this is going to be for the Multitaskers Anonymous. You don't have to call yourself out, (laughs) but this is for you. And side note, one of the reasons, not all of the reasons, but one of the reasons that I am able to share this is because I walk my talk, right? Like I I call myself out just like I guide you to do. I have influence because I've overcome these different things, okay? And we all are human. So you don't just suddenly evolve and you're done. Like this is an ongoing process. Any human can be triggered, can experience an overwhelming wave of emotions, can have thoughts flowing through their mind that are not productive at all, right? That's just part of being human and the human experience. However, we do have tools and strategies to regain our composure, to choose grace, and to walk in divine alignment. That is something that we can do. That's why I preach and teach God's vibes matter. It is all about building your foundation on the word of God, developing and cultivating relationship with God so that you can hear God's voice, be led by God, and have supernatural results happen in and through you and all around you in your world, right? You don't have to just live a natural life. You don't just have to accept the status quo, but when you align with God, not only is that the safest place to be, but that's where miracles happen, okay? So that is what I teach, right? Like you in your business can get certain results, but you with God in your business, right? Or you in relationships can can practice some, some form of what you think love might look like, but you with God in relationships, you'll get God's love in that relationship and that will do wonders, okay? Or even you with yourself. There's just some things that motivation will not allow you to do and all the self-help in the world will not allow you to do, but you partner with God is your secret sauce. It is your game-changing strategy in your life. 
God's vibes matter, right? Okay, so here are a couple of examples, just free flow that I can provide on emotional adulthood. All right, so I have talked with many high achieving multitasker folk. I would also identify as a recovered one of those, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing multitasking a lot of the time makes you ineffective, okay? The world would preach and teach that this makes you incredibly effective, right? But if you think about it, you can do a lot of things and you often do a lot of them, just not well. And because you're juggling so many things, you're only putting a little bit of effort into each thing and not having nearly the impact that you're actually designed to make, okay? So a common thing that I hear is I'm so overwhelmed, I don't know what to do next, I feel like I'm supposed to write this book, or I feel like I'm supposed to uh, write this screenplay, or I feel like I'm supposed to launch this business, or I feel like I'm supposed to volunteer in this ministry, or I feel like I'm supposed to uh, move across the country, or I feel like I'm supposed to, to hire and, and build a team, or I feel like I'm supposed to launch this project, and I just don't know which one to do, it's just a lot. <laughs> That is an exaggeration, but that's not too far off, okay? And I hear this a lot, and here is my response. Often, if you are inspired to do all of those things, you can do them all, just not at once, okay? Taking that same same strategy, that same thought, just receive it for a second. If I were just going to focus on one thing and do it well, what is that one thing? right? What is God on in this season? How do I partner with God on what he is actually moving so that I actually put all of my energy and attention there? And then when I'm ready for the next thing, that will open up too. I'm just going to trust that that's the case, right? A lot of times we try to juggle all the things because it keeps us in buffering mode. It keeps us from failing. It keeps us from taking any sort of risks and it keeps us out of responsibility, and I define responsibility also as our ability to respond to things in our life, but I respond in the way that is healthy, righteous, upright, good, profitable, right? A lot of times we think of responsibility as just heaviness where we take on everybody's burdens and then at the end of the day, we're just wiped and have no energy for ourselves. That ain't it. It's your ability to respond and to really steward well what you've been given with excellence, right? You can do all things well. You can do all things with excellence, just not at once. So what I'm offering here is rather than being a multitasker, see how that actually has consequences. See how that actually is ineffective in your life. See how that actually is causing you to buffer or to not take responsibility or to get frustrated and complain and blame, right? Think about that and how it, it leads you into these cycles of procrastination where you have this great idea and you get excited about it and you start taking motion and then you just stop. That is not a pattern that you want to keep going. That is not how you actually stack the achievements. That's not how you build spirit-driven success, which looks very different than worldly success. Okay, so the success that God has for you is one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time. And it builds, right? As you sow these seeds, you will reap a harvest, right? You are here to bear much fruit, not some, much. And it's good fruit, okay? But you can't do that when your mind, just think about all of the things that you have going on in your mind 
in a day. You cannot be super effective when your mind is full of all these other things, which is why emotional adulthood is so important. Because when you are caught up in a wave of emotions, particularly emotions that are meant to be felt and released, when those get caught up and when you hold those in, things like anger, things like offense, things like strife, things like unforgiveness, things like worry, things like anxiety, when you stay in that space, that becomes your lens and you start using your imagination to start getting all of these vain imaginations flowing in your brain, right? You basically create all these stories and narratives that are not true. You're leaning on your own understanding based on what you feel and your feelings can sometimes lie to you, okay? And then because of that, if you live there long enough, you really can get yourself stuck, okay? Because you're believing lies and you're feeling really bad about them and then you don't want to take any action and you likely are going to get into self-sabotage or, right, say some things that you don't mean to say, start acting in ways that you're not proud of, right? It's just not a good cycle. Okay, so emotional adulthood here, right, let's say in this multitasking example would be like, okay, why am I trying to do all the things? Where did that actually come from? Because it doesn't feel good. I feel like I'm being ineffective. I feel overwhelmed. I feel frustrated. And that's not the best, right? My kids don't receive the vet. They don't experience my presence. Like I'm not fully with them. So they don't experience the best version of me. My partner doesn't even see me because I'm trying to juggle all the things and then just stressed about it and dumping all that stress on them and just projecting that onto them, right? I don't even maintain relationships with friends and cultivate those because I'm just so busy, right? Do you see how this might not (laughs) be wisdom here? But you choose it because it's what you know to do. So scaling back would be okay. Rather than just accepting, I'm so busy and I'm so overwhelmed and that's just the way it is, pause. Why do you believe that you actually need to juggle all the things? What is that actually, what's what's happening there, right? You can get to the core of the root of what's driving that feeling, right? I'm overwhelmed because I'm choosing to be overwhelmed. That's responsibility. That's taking ownership. That's acknowledging that I am creating this actually, because I feel for myself, right? So, okay, I'm creating frustration. I'm creating overwhelm. Where is that coming from? Well, that's coming from me thinking that I've got to do these 20 things. Well, is it true? Do I actually have to do these 20 things? Now, when I do this with myself, the answer is usually no. Why I'm on overdrive like that is because I'm not trusting. And it's because I haven't given myself enough space to think intentionally and to prioritize what matters so I can live and steward what matters. Okay? Often then, I can get my list down to like three core things that I got to do out of 20, to be honest. Right, All these other extra things that I think I need to be doing, often I'm probably in somebody else's lane, I'm in somebody else's business, right? or I'm comparing myself to what I think it should look like, but I'm not in the word, I'm not using wisdom, and I'm not seeking God about what is priority here. Right? Love doesn't give us more than we can bear. Okay? So we tend to do that to ourselves, right? When we want to overachieve, when we want to people please. Sometimes when we have codependent patterning, right? We take on so much that actually isn't ours to take on, right? 
but you can cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you and he can actually give you wisdom and insight about what he is focused on in this season, what it is that he wants you to pour into and develop, and he will give you the strength and the energy to do those things, okay? So that's the multitasking example, but it's taking ownership of, okay, it's not because all of these people are being unfair to you. It's because you have made the decision to take it all on and then to feel overwhelmed. That's a choice. You could feel grateful. You could feel honored. You could feel inspired. You could feel so many things, but you're choosing to feel frustrated. That is a choice. Okay. And it's taking responsibility for, okay, I don't like living in this state. So what does that mean? What is this an opportunity for me to change? How can I get into alignment here so I don't keep this up? Oh, this is actually letting me know that I haven't been operating from a place of trust, that I need to surrender these things to the Lord, and that I need to seek God for wisdom about what is priority in this season so that I can clean up my schedule so I can show up and focus on what truly does matter intentionally, that I can then pray and intercede before meetings and feel prepared for them, that I can then really care for my partner, for my kids, or that I can really be a good receptacle and receiver, right, from God for strategies and ideas and and I imagination, right, like a vision that he has for my business, right? Because when you're so full of thoughts, and emotion. You're not a good receiver. You're too full to receive anything from God. Okay. And God's not going to compete with what you're full of. Okay. So sometimes that's we need, why we need to cast our cares onto God and surrender. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Right. Okay. Another example could be, I mean, we all are in relationships, whether it's even just with yourself, you are in a relationship. So often in relationships, we have a tendency to have operation manuals for how we believe that other people are supposed to show up. When they follow our manual, we're, we're good. We're good. However, when they don't follow our manual, then we get upset. And often we want to blame we can punish, we can just get irritable and frustrated and all these things. And we never told them the manual. So <laughs> we're getting upset and frustrated and all worked up emotionally because somebody is not showing up the way we think and feel that they should when they don't even know what our manual is. Okay, so we do this in relationship. Again, check yourself before you wreck yourself, but start to recognize where you are starting to expect people to show up some kind of way so that you can be happy. And when they don't show up that way, you're going to be upset. Okay, because that creates a very bumpy, turbulent relationship, as you can imagine, right? Like when you're feeling good, the relationship is good. When you're not feeling good, the relationship is horrible, right? Like that is not what it needs to be. And here is responsibility. Nobody else is responsible for your feelings, Okay, now I recognize as a recovered people pleaser and codependent myself from my upbringing, I learned, I'll break this down in a way that you can actually understand it. So here's the thing. I learned that growing up, I had to take on other people's stuff. Okay, so a lot of my healing 
involved ending my pattern with self-abandonment. So at a very young age, I was shown that it was my role to take care of my parents and, and their emotions. So I was raised by somebody struggling with alcoholism, and I was raised by a parent that um, was not very present emotionally and was working and providing, so not around, right? So I learned to really show up in this dynamic and family environment. I had an older sister too that did not manage emotions, really just let them all out. And then I had a younger sister at the time that was a baby, okay? So I was in the middle of all of that. And I learned that it was my role to take on and really assess, like become a practical psychologist, really, my parents' emotions. And to do this, I needed to ignore my own. And so I became very hyper vigilant to everybody else's emotions. And I started anticipating what would happen or even their thoughts, right? Always making sure I wasn't upsetting anyone because we couldn't have any more upsets. There was already a lot that was upsetting the culture of the home, the dynamics in the home, and I couldn't add to that. So I always focused on what other people were thinking, and I wanted to avoid a lot of these emotional outbursts and a lot of these reactions that, frankly, I felt were completely unnecessary, right? But I'm a kid, so I didn't have a grid for doing this. So this just felt normal. This just felt like, oh, this is my job. This is my role. This is what I have to do. So growing up in a home where my emotional needs were not met, I became terrified in my later years, right, of upsetting anybody, And that was an impossible standard for me to maintain, okay? And it led to a lot of self-abandonment, and it also led to a lot of self-hate and unworthiness and rejection, because the ultimate fear of a people-pleaser and a codependent is to be labeled as selfish, okay? So you weren't allowed to put your needs first or to have wants or to even have feelings. Like, nothing was allowed to be wrong with you, right? Because there was already enough to deal with, and you can't be a burden, All right. So I thought, right, that this made me a good person. Like I wasn't disrupting anything. So that made me a good person. And I thought I was being kind. But in reality, I was attempting growing up to control the situation and other people's perception of me. Okay. So I started making choices in alignment. Well, really, I started making choices that were out of alignment with my own values and needs, right? Because I didn't want to upset or disappoint people. So I had to then start fixing that. I had to start fixing the relationship that I had with myself because that's where I was out of alignment. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I valued. I didn't even know how to articulate what I was feeling, what I needed, what I ultimately wanted. So that was something that I had to really work on. I had to learn how to set clear boundaries. I had to learn what my standards are, what my non-negotiables are. I really then no longer allowed abuse, self-abuse included here, and I started becoming assertive and using my authority instead and meeting my own needs rather than waiting on people to acknowledge them or to meet them for me. And as I healed the relationship with myself, The external validation was no longer my guiding force. My intuition was. And now as a believer, Holy Spirit is my guiding force, right? Very, very different. So now my actions are in alignment with my own values and inner wisdom. God's vibes matter. It's all about alignment, right? And they're no longer 
based in fear from a little girl wanting approval or love and doing everything she could to get it. Okay, so that is where, and you might really resonate with that, and that might be really similar to you, but that's where this, you know, emotional childhood and emotional, like, childishness is, is, like, learning these bad habits and thinking that they're good, thinking that they're kind, but actually not seeing how unhealthy that is and how much healing is actually needed so that you can be a whole functioning human and take responsibility for what's happening in your insides, which will change radically your relationships with everything else in your world, not just yourself, okay? So an example here in relationship is when we have these manuals, right? My manual in this instance was to think that it was my job to anticipate people's feelings and to cater to those and to make sure that they didn't feel bad. I was gonna do everything I could to avoid that and to try to like control the environment and, and circumstances and really their perception of me, right? Only good or neutral were allowed. <laughs> no, no bad feedback, right? So as you can imagine, when, you know, especially if you're in the workforce, like you need feedback to grow. You need to fail to grow. So that wasn't setting me up for that path, right? It was setting me up for a lot of disappointments because I was training myself in these really, really unhelpful tools that I used to survive then, which were people-pleasing, codependency, perfectionism, high achievement, right? Ugh. Just not not healthy, right? All they were doing was pulling me further and further out of alignment. They were causing me to know myself less and to try to please people more, which is a never-ending cycle, okay? Until I ultimately self-destructed because I was abandoning myself, right? You abandon yourself when you don't know who you are, when you don't stand for what you want and what you need, when you don't own your value, right? Or your values and your standards, right? You're easily manipulated in that case because all you do is you show up to be used and you show up to please. And that is not a healthy pattern, as you can imagine. So in this instance, my operations manual was I need to stay on good terms with everybody. And to do that, I'm going to take on their emotions. I'm going to think about what they're thinking about rather than what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling and taking ownership for me. I'm going to start working in their model instead. Okay, which, right, seemed to work for a while. That seemed to be like a really healthy and kind thing to do. And I'm such a good person. But really, it led to later in life, a lot of dysfunction and a lot of school of hard knocks lessons, right? Because I wasn't cultivating healthy habits and patterns on the inside. Okay, so what I had to learn was that nobody can think for me. Nobody can feel for me. Nobody can communicate and articulate what it is that I want, what it is that I need, what it is that I'm struggling with, right? Nobody can do that. So ultimately, nobody is coming to save me. It's going to be up to me to start doing the work to understand what is happening on the inside of me, to start learning who I actually am, what it is that I want, what it is that I need, and how to show up and express myself fully and with wisdom, okay? So that, you know, sometimes when you start learning about how your feelings or you start learning all these new tools, you just wanna dump it on everybody, right? <laughs> right, but you gotta have wisdom. Not, not everybody's ready to handle your process or what you're dealing with, right? So there's gotta be spaces for that. So whether that's going to therapy, whether that's hiring a coach, whether that's 
having a a small group or a support group of some kind, whatever it is, investing in those places so that you can get the support that you need and you're not putting that on any one person in your life, okay? So in this instance, in relationships, recognize that often what we are blaming other people for is an invitation to take responsibility. Oh, I'm feeling hurt right now and I'm blaming this person for making me feel that way, okay? Now remember, that person cannot make you feel that way. So if you witness something, if you experience something, if you got triggered in some kind of way, the feelings that are coming up in you are not happening in that other person. They're happening in you. So it's on you to feel that, to create space for that, to acknowledge that, to not react in that moment, but get some space and clarity around what is coming up for you. What is this feeling? Okay, what is the thought that is creating that feeling? And how does that cause you to show up when you feel that way? And is that what you want to do? Is that true? Is that what God says about you? Okay, if it's chaos and confusion, likely you're under the influence of a lie, not truth, right? If it's causing strife and division, that is not God. There's a lie happening there somewhere. There's a vain imagination at play, right? So when you can scale back, oh, I felt some anxiety. I felt some fear come up because I felt like this person wasn't choosing me, wasn't valuing me, wasn't appreciating me in this moment, right? This is a, a generalization, but often that is very true. We all want to see, we all want to feel seen, we all want to feel valuable, we all want to feel worthy, we all want to feel chosen, right? So when we don't feel that because some incident happened, right? Then suddenly we want to blame that person for causing us to feel that way rather than being like, oh, I'm feeling this way. That's uncomfortable. I'm going to take ownership of this feeling and recognize why that's happening for me. And then if it's appropriate, I'm going to have a progressive, healthy conversation with this person about it so that they recognize that so that we can just talk about it and, you know, really cater to each other's love languages or just be aware of things that trigger one another so that we're not activating that in one another right? Rather than having reactions and causing division and all that stuff, you don't have to go down that path. You actually take ownership for what's going on in you, okay? So those are two just examples that I would have of how subtle this can be, but how this can really take over your world. And you can see very quickly, zap your energy, Okay, I get a lot of feedback about, whoa, like your vibe is amazing. You're always so energetic and joyful. What is going on with you? It's called management. Okay, it is not random. Part of that, yes, can be personality, right? If you're just a joyful, happy human, Juliana does actually mean joy. So that's a God thing. (laughs) Part of how he made me, I'm sure. However, Energy is something that you're given. It's a gift. It's something that you can cultivate. And all of your insides, you have this beautiful mind that you get to lead and to manage with the help of God. You have emotions that actually are so beautiful. They're what allow you to experience the fullness of life. Okay, When we shut down bad emotions and we say we're not allowed to feel them, we also shut down the good and we just stop feeling. Last time I checked, you can't have a relationship with anybody if you don't feel, okay? (laughs) So emotions are beautiful. They actually are triggers, 
right? Like just like you're driving a car and you see your gas light come on, that is a trigger to let you know you need more fuel. Emotions are like that too. Oop, we're losing energy. Oop, we got we got something bumping up here, shifting our focus. Like what's that about? Let me feel it. Let me acknowledge it. Let me create some space for this rather than resist it, avoid it, numb it run from it or make it like way bigger than it needs to be, right? We also have, again, self-control, the ability to make good sound decisions. We can't make sound decisions when our mind is not renewed. You can probably see how that makes sense. There's no sound decision-making that's going to come from a mind that is all over the place, all right? And you always lose yourself when you're running behind complaining, when you're running behind blame. You always lose yourself. That is not what breeds connection, okay? It is just not. So I often think this, and what I want to leave you with on today when we're talking about emotional adulthood, one, it's an invitation to think about where are you acting like an emotional child? Where are you operating under patterns and behaviors that are actually not okay? They're actually not mature, you can develop spiritual maturity. You can learn to, to love yourself and stop abandoning yourself and lead yourself better so that you can have the outcomes that you want. Sometimes, right, things that are happening in our life are not the enemy. We actually get uncomfortable because it's an invitation to work through some things with God to help us mature, to help us develop our character, to help us develop our leadership, to heal some heart wounds, right? It's not always the enemy, okay? And a quick way to think about this too in addition to taking responsibility for being an emotional adult is think about and be very careful about what you put into your body, right? But what you put into your soul. People always talk about what they put into their body, right? I need to drink more water. I need to eat these organic foods. I need to drink this superfood shake. I need to do whatever. I need to hashtag gym life, right? Okay, great. Support all that, right? But I would argue you also have to be super uber careful about what you put in your soul. What are you putting in your mind? What are you allowing to take root in there? What sort of lies are you under the influence of? How is that affecting you emotionally? And then when you're caught up in all that emotion, how is that affecting the people in your world? How effective are you in your work and what God has trusted you to steward? How, how effective are you at making decisions, sound decisions, right? And if we're living in emotion, if we're living in our history, we can't pray. We can't resist the temptations, right? We can't really show up and lead and influence as we're designed and called to, okay? You can't make sound decisions from worry. So you have to learn as an emotional adult, for example, to stand up to your fear, to not just take the lies and get manipulated by them, but to challenge them, to fight back, right? And we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, okay? We, we wrestle with what's operating behind that. So keep that in mind. And some homework that I would give you is even if you just go study scripture on emotions, a lot of times you will see scripture that says, do not be anxious, do not be angry, right? Galatians 5, 16 to 24 actually talks about being led by the spirit and you won't fulfill the, the desires of the flesh, okay, which are a whole slew of things, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, right? That is emotional childishness, not emotional maturity, not emotional adulthood, okay? 
But in the world that we live in, that looks normal. People just have their temper tantrums all the time and that looks normal. But I want to give you this vision. How is that affecting you, your world, and the next generation? How are they learning to lead themselves and the other people around them? Are these really actually good patterns to pass on? Think about that. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So this is evidence of any time that emotionally you're not there, there's an invitation, yes, to renew your mind, but let your emotion inform you about what is actually happening in your mind. It lets you know what the model is in your body, right? So I'm, I'm feeling angry because I'm thinking this thought. This thought is what makes me feel angry, and it makes me feel angry because it's a lie. And when I feel angry, I get stuck in an, a- in an action and procrastination, and I create a mess. I start saying things I can't take back. I start showing up like a weirdo, right? Proverbs twenty five twenty eight puts it this way. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Okay? You become incredibly unstable and ineffective in all you do because you come you become double-minded and a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways okay so the invitation on today is to think about where you can start feeling your feelings what your emotions are informing you of and how you can start taking more responsibility for those so that you can lead yourself better, so that you can have healthy relationships and that you can actually use all this freed up energy that you create to create what you're here to co-create with God. All right. Yes. So go study scripture. Go look up scripture on emotion. Give it a Google if you don't have, you know, the, the Bible that will help you quickly resource those things, but go look that up. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. This is something that you can, with God, develop. You can stabilize your emotions. You can learn to manage them and be a healthy human, not only for yourself, right? You can start doing, some people might call that inner child work, but you can start doing a lot of self-healing so that you can have healthy relationships as well. And the fruit of that will be so, so sweet. So it's worth all the efforts. All right. I hope this message blessed you. And until next time, stay safe.